Good morning. Thank you, band. Why don't we give them a hand as well? Uh, thank you so much. You guys can take your seats. Uh, where's Sean Roos? Wasn't that excellent communion? You know, I might even give you just the first name on a slide next time. But, you know, for me, what, what was excellent was that even when you're uncomfortable, you can move in a word of knowledge, you know, because it's not about who you are. It's about the Holy Spirit working through you. Uh, so I was really, really proud of you as well. I know that that's for somebody else, uh, but I thought that was great, man. Uh, and I um, love that everybody loves to have a laugh at this church. You know, this is supposed to be a place of joy. Amen? Amen, amen. We're in our final week of our Gifts of Christmas series. Uh, so I just want to reinforce, please, Uni Hill Church, the 17th next week, come early. Uh, I, will, I am anticipating a very large service for us for our Christmas celebration. It's going to be fun. Um, I really am looking forward to uh, spending time together. Annalee didn't mention the Smash Burgers that I will be on. Uh, last year, everybody was like, where's Charles? Charles was there. He was working hard. And he's built a super team this year. So um, come ready. Come hungry. We're going to have a great time together. Uh, who's enjoying the Advent calendars? They've been, they've been so cool. Uh, it is not just about chocolate. Uh, it is about having spiritual conversations with your family. We have been enjoying them and seeing the different faces. Thank you to all the people that have participated in that. Uh, you forget how hard it is to stand in front of a camera. Um, so I just want to um, take note that April on her video said, who was in Jonah's belly? Just think about that statement. Who was in Jonah's belly? No one was in his belly, hun. Just so you're aware. But um, other than that, it's been an exceptional series thus far. Um, but really looking forward to just uh, remembering that this season is busy. And we want to be as a community a place where we don't add to the busyness, but rather we strengthen one another to go and represent Christ wherever you may go. There are a lot of things on. So I want to encourage you. Remember the Lord. Remember Jesus. He knows that you're busy. But take moments each day to focus in on Him. Because I know that He wants our attention. So please don't, don't, don't think because you're busy and your time is short that you can't dedicate. Even if it's a little bit, find time. Even if it's scanning that QR code, going to the devotion, looking at that, thinking about it during the day. That's great. You know, the time of year is busy, but please remember the Lord. He's so worth it, isn't he? He's so worth I'm so grateful for him in this season. But we're talking about gifts of Christmas. You know, we have an incredible tree with a crooked, uh, uh, crooked uh, thing. I'm just saying that I just encourage Lauren Eady because I know that she would, be, she would be focused on that wherever you are, Loz. I'm sorry I highlighted it. It's the best tree ever. Uh, you need a ladder license. No one gets to set that up without a ladder license now. Uh, that exists. That exists. We're a safe church. Um, so that means at the end we're just pushing it over is what the plan will be so we can be a part of that. But there's beautiful gifts. And who remembers this gift? First week of our series, Jazzy brought a great message. And it was about 
that you seek. It's good to seek the gift, but also we should seek the giver. We know that in life, when you receive a gift, often the gift is coming out of the heart of the person that gives it. And in Scripture, we understand that we are to desire the gifts. We'll talk about that in a minute, and that's a a thing that I want us to continue to remember. It's good to desire them, but it's not just being about the gift. It it comes from somewhere. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's given from from God, and we want to make sure that we are seeking the giver and seeking the gift. Amen? It's not one without the other. Uh, They work together. And this beautiful gift was introduced and then the next week uh, Cal um, brought out a gift that I grew up hearing every morning uh, are there any other Europeans in this place uh, that that's the original noise not milk being textured but rather coffee being made that is so hot it burns every fiber of your mouth as you take that first sip it was a great illustration because we all love coffee. But what, what he was trying to display is that this is the gift. And, and then when you take the gift out, it's a great gift, but you actually need to understand how to use it. It requires understanding. And then he, he leant forward into the fact that when you are given a gift, it's not just for you. But actually, when you're given a gift, you can use this gift to serve other people. So I can have coffee, but I'm actually going to be using this gift to serve other people, bringing the illustration that we are given the gifts of the Spirit to serve other people, to build the kingdom of God. You have a gift, remember the giver. The gift in the box requires understanding. And once you actually understand what it's for, you realize it's actually for serving others. Today, as we finish the series, I really want to lean into uh, let's drink some coffee. Hey, let's drink coffee. Let's share it around. It says in Proverbs 34, 8, taste, Proverbs, Psalms 34, 8, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We've got to understand the gift. But we need to make sure that we are seeing that the gift is being used to serve others. Now, everybody in this room, you need to understand that there's a unique gift that God has placed on your life. It's unique. It's it's something that only you can do. And the greatest example I could think of is that um, I am, uh, one gift that I know I hold is the gift of encouragement. I love it. I love to encourage people. Uh, It encourages me to encourage people. So we've got our connect group and we're having our Christmas break up. So I come up with the idea I'm going to print these A4 pieces of paper off and we're going to have a border. And then what happens is we can write words of encouragement for everybody. And now we had a bigger Christmas uh, connect group. Who knows? Everybody rocks up for Christmas and food at this church. So all of a sudden my connect group swelled uh, for that day. And it was amazing seeing the people that have got the gift of encouragement. It's just flowing. It's flowing. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. I love this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And then you look over at that other person staring at the blank piece of paper. Do you want to know if that's you? How do you go writing a birthday card? If you're a person that can't write the birthday card, you know, we're probably leaning into the fact that, you know, maybe it's not you. But there are people that were flowing and then there were people that weren't necessarily flowing. But that's okay because those people that maybe aren't good at writing on the card, gee, they seem to find themselves in the kitchen. 
serving. It's unbelievable. We've got people in our connect group that open my front door like it's their house. They do a better job at welcoming than me. (laughs) Gift of hospitality. You know, there are people in the group that as the moment we come around a devotion, it's like something in them is stirred and something comes out of who they are. There are other people that when we bring vision about who God is and vision about where we're going, they get excited because they have different giftings that are uniquely given to them. I love the statement that the apostle lives with leaders. The prophet lives with God. The evangelist lives with the lost. The pastor lives with the people and the teacher lives with the word. Isn't it interesting that different people have different focuses on different things because God has made us uniquely and uniquely gifted us to work together. We know that you can be confident in what God has given you because it's God who determines what you have. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, on the back end of the scripture that we built this series around, it says that, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If you are in relationship with Jesus and you are part of the body of Christ, you need to understand that God is positioning you and gifting you just as he wanted it to be. Whatever gift you have is good. It doesn't need to look like the person next to you. And you know, at the end of the day, we need to understand that Paul begins to talk about the fact that there are many different gifts, but they all come from the one place which is the Holy Spirit, and therefore the one purpose to bring glory to God. So it doesn't really matter if your gift is different. It's from the Holy Spirit to serve the will and purpose of God. So therefore every gift, whatever way, shape, and form it comes in, is important. 1 Corinthians 12.4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. We need to understand that. We are everyday people being used by a powerful and perfect God. We actually don't need to be perfect. We need to be in relationship. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. I like this in the New Living Translation. It's talking about the Apostle Paul. And he says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardship, persecution and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. We can have weaknesses and still be used by God. Everyday people, a powerful God. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are. We have to be repentant. We have to be in relationship, but we do not have to be perfect. We have to be improving, being sanctified, being changed into the likeness of Christ. You don't have to be perfect. Do you want to know how I know? I am by no means perfect. 
There have been many times in this place I have repented about being away on a holiday with a heavy canvas on my head, holding a pole and sweat across my brow. And then all of a sudden, April, representing the family's face, will enter my sphere and she'll be like, we're hungry. And I will admit that in those moments, I'm not perfect. I've got to keep repenting it because I have to fight it off. Because I'm like, you go and eat then. Leave me to serve the whole family. I sold that, sold that camper trailer quick smart, babe. Just relive in those moments. <laughs> Got to improve the attitude, not remove the obstacle. Because it'll show up in a different way. You know, that you can sell the camper trailer and someone will put that person in front of you in the traffic. Don't have to be perfect. Need to be open and willing to be used. If you look at the Apostle Peter, I think he's a beautiful example of not being perfect. Jesus is being crucified and we know that in Luke 22 it shares a story of how he denies Christ he denies Christ that is a very imperfect move uh, that's a weak move and you know the reality is we should actually source some encouragement from the fact that uh, he was not perfect but yet we learn and we see in the gospel of John later that he meets Jesus on a beach and is restored through repentance do you love me Jesus asks him and then that same man who has not done very well is restored by Jesus, preaches at Pentecost. And then we actually find later on that then all of a sudden he's told off by the Apostle Paul because what happens is he's eating with Gentiles and then other Jews rock up. So then he abandons them. Not a perfect guy. Not perfect. I'm going I'm to put him in between brackets of normal. But yeah, we see in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, an incredible encounter where Peter and John are walking along. And in Acts chapter 3, verses 4 to 8, it says this, Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly. There's a lame man expecting some money. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But what I will give you, I will give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood at his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Peter used with the gift of healing and his normal. If we really were to look at this, what happened here? Peter not being perfect but genuinely repentant and in a loving relationship with Jesus and a desire to serve him. There's got to have a desire. Peter and John, they're in everyday life and they see a need. You know, often I feel the Holy Spirit will highlight things in your focus and it's for a reason. Peter saw the need but the Holy Spirit knew the need and in that moment was going to use Peter 
so the man could be healed and glorify God. The gift of healing was a perfect, righteous, all-knowing God manifesting himself through Peter to see the lame man healed. The Holy Spirit chooses and uses us despite our imperfections. Who is encouraged by that? We're not ruled out by that. You know, the ones that are really repentant. When I am not perfect, thank you. Because God will choose. Our role is to be open and willing to be vessels, to be used in your plan and purpose, God. Use us. If you're filled with the Spirit through a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is always available within you and therefore at any point can choose to use you because he is always at work within you. Your job is to be open and willing. You don't have to be perfect. Peter was clearly not. But it should never, imperfection should never stop a person who loves Jesus and is used by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit can manifest himself in powerful ways that are both supernatural and practical. You know, one of the examples that I I look at in the New Testament in Acts chapter 5 is that uh, the apostles are there and a couple, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira, I had practiced it and now I've forgotten how to say it. They come after selling this portion of land. And they keep a little bit of money for themselves and they come and they present the money and they haven't told anybody but they're lying about how much that they're giving. And a word of knowledge comes to the apostles that are present and they call them out. They wouldn't have known from human terms but the Spirit spoke to them and used them. Have you ever experienced the power of the Holy Spirit supernaturally? It's an incredible thing. I know that God speaks supernaturally to people. Because when I was 12 years old, there was a word of prophecy brought over my life that just about word for word, letter for letter has unfolded in my life to this point. I was declared as a loud, naughty 12-year-old at a camp where I had got lost for half a day. Had to hitchhike home. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? I would fire that youth pastor today. Parents, just so you're aware. And when I say hitchhike, I had got lost. We were on a run. It was really hot. I had my T-shirt wrapped around my head, just a pair of shorts on. And when I say hitchhike, I saw an old lady pull into a home and I ran into the home and said, can you drive me back to the camp? So I'm at a meeting. I'm dehydrated. I got a headache. A little bit disgruntled. And then out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit at that moment chooses to speak to me. About you will serve me. You will be in ministry. They said you will be, quote for quote, it wasn't me. I believe God was speaking, an Italian funny preacher, hallelujah. But it's unfolded in my life. It gave me confidence in every season that God can speak to me. Do you know, the Bible tells us that prophecy is a great way for us to encourage one another. And there have been times in my life where people have brought a word from the Lord for me to help me. 
It wasn't actually about the person prophesying. It was God encouraging me through them. There have been times in my life where I'm having these prayer moments and actually needed them this week. Where you are alone with God and you begin to pray in a heavenly language and something in your soul is beginning to be restored. You feel the the presence of God flood in and, and fill you as you seek Him and pray in a supernatural tongue. I've experienced the power of God supernaturally in my life. I know that the Holy Spirit is available to walk with us. You know, miracles can look in, in different ways, shapes and form. And, and, and you may sit here and go, I've never experienced a miracle in my life. Well, I would challenge that and believe that you have. When I was a young man, my dad decided to take up our whole family and move to Colac to keep an Assemblies of God congregation alive. And while we were there, my dad had to go on to government benefits because he was an architect in the 90s and interest rates were high and people were not we're not building. And he managed by the grace of God to get some work. So he stopped the government payment. I remember this period of life because it was the first time I had enough self-awareness to understand we are poor. So my dad does this work as an architect. They give him a check uh, for the, what, that. They're like a piece of paper worth money. <laughs> and like... Um, Two people have to sign them. And, and what happened is they gave him a check. And he goes to the bank to cash the check. And it bounces, costing my dad $25. So he went back to them. And they said, oh, we're so sorry. Something should have happened. Try and cash it again. So he did. And it bounced again, costing him another $25. And in the 90s, they used to do $2 meals, cheeseburger $2 meals. So like a cheeseburger, small fries and a Coke for $2. So imagine $50 is a lot of cheeseburgers. Like that was a lot of money. And we were poor. And I saw my parents faithfully ask the Lord to provide. And somehow out of nowhere, my mum is able to attain some work. Mum sat in front of a computer, not good at learning things that are different, had never worked on a computer in her life. But yet somehow God provided for us enough to pay rent and eat. That is supernatural miracle. That's a miracle of God. He did that for my family because he loves and cares. And out of nowhere, he gave my mum an ability to go and do something she had never done before in order that our family could eat. Don't tell me God doesn't provide all your needs. Don't tell me he doesn't work in supernatural, miraculous ways. A meal in front of you is a miracle for some people. So don't walk around saying, I've never seen a miracle unfold in my life because I haven't seen a person get out of a wheelchair because that person's miracle may be to them that they're alive and still breathing. Don't put God in a box. He's a miraculous, powerful, working God who I believe if, he, if it's his desire can take that person out of that chair and see them walk and I actually believe it's always his desire. God's a miraculous, working God. And sometimes when that person doesn't get out of the chair, it's the gift of faith 
that helps them to endure, that can be a miracle. God's a miraculous working God. What about the gift of in the word of knowledge? We, 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 just, we know that there was one today given to Sean. Who, who's ever functioned in the word of knowledge? Who, who's ever, uh, God's used them to do it? That They can be a great source of encouragement. I have my mother-in-law here. She will often enter the conversation in my mind without invitation. <laughs> and speak life into something that I'm running around in my mind with because the Holy Spirit speaks to her and she steps out in faith. Don't tell me that's not a supernatural walk where you go, hey, I just feel I need to encourage that person. I just feel the Lord has told me something about them. Hey, you've been struggling lately. How did you know? The power of God at work in their life. There is supernatural gifts available to believers at the discretionary gifting of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be available and open. But I want to say this, the less supernatural gifts are just as powerful. You know, when we learnt last week about the occasional versus the residential, uh, being that the residential ones are the ones that never, never leave you, they're always with you, you can always serve, you can always have mercy. If you're a teacher, you're going to teach. If you're an encourager, you're going to encourage. They're always with you. And often they can be practical in expression. But being practical does not mean less powerful. I see that unfold every year during Hope Tour when we see exhausted young people serving consistently and serving consistently. And at the end of it, that practical buy-in supernaturally as the Holy Spirit empowers them to serve will often manifest itself in souls being saved for the kingdom of God, the church being built and God being glorified because they're doing something practical. A great biblical example of that is Barnabas. What a guy. In Acts 4.36 is where you see the birth of his nickname. His name's actually Joseph. But the apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was a hype guy. He was an encouragement guy. We can see an example of it in Acts chapter 9, 26 and 27. He's had this encounter with Jesus. He's beginning to proclaim who Jesus is and declare the encounter he's had. And he goes to meet Christians and the apostles and they don't want to see him because they don't yet trust him except there's one guy named Barnabas. And you know, I'm paraphrasing, but if you look in Acts chapter 9, 26 and 27, we begin to see that Barnabas really says, hey, I'll advocate for you. I'm going to go and tell them that I've seen you preaching boldly. I'm going to go and tell them that you did encounter Jesus. You just stay at it. I'm with you. I'm going to advocate for you. Don't tell me that isn't a spirit of encouragement. That loyalty and belief in people that he had was supernatural. It happens on other occasions. He ends up in an argument with Paul over the you know, really advocating for someone else because he had this ability to go, God's got something for your life. Don't tell me that doesn't change the way that you walk and talk. Encouragement is very practical and may not seem supernatural, but if the Holy Spirit is using you, it can change a person's life. Don't tell me the practical ones of serving 
are not any less supernatural. There are people here uh, that have a gift of mercy, that have a gift of helps, that, that have seen lives changed and kingdom of God grown and God glorified by simply going, I'm going to use what the Spirit has given me. If you look at Paul's life, I'm glad that in the early days there was somebody to encourage him. You know, if you look through the gifts and you do a little bit of a character study on Paul, you know that he was an apostle, moved in prophecy, had a teaching gift, had a healing, word of knowledge, speaking in tongues, working of miracles, evangelism, encourager. You don't have all the gifts all the time. You have some that live with you and some that come and go as the Holy Spirit chooses to do so. Everybody doesn't get them all. There's no evidence in Scripture it's clear that that's the case because it says there, do all prophesy, do, do all, because not all get to. But the Holy Spirit does give you something and you to use it for the glory of God. So how do you be available? How, how do you be available in this season? I want to give you four things that I believe will help set us up. Uh, this Christmas season, there are so many opportunities. I met with a person this week out, out the front of my house, and um, he started talking to me about his sore shoulder. So, you know, me just being totally invested in every comment, I'm starting, you know, massaging the shoulder. I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And then I'm driving in the car about an hour later, and I go, should have prayed. Should have prayed. So he's getting an invite on the 13th to our prayer meeting. I'm just letting you know, we've got a prayer meeting on the 13th. Let's just, for a moment, I want to talk about this. Took my glasses off for no particular reason. And I'm going to put them back on because I can't see anyone. Now on the 13th, if you watch John's devotion this week, he mentioned the 13th many times. We're having a prayer meeting online. The purpose of the prayer meeting is that you take a step of faith and offer somebody prayer in a manner that they can feel comfortable to receive it. What you're saying to that person is, I believe that my God can enter your situation and be a benefit to you if you come to him in faith. Now, whether that's a finance, whether that's a healing, whether that's an emotional, relational, what we are going to do is you invite them and go, hey, I'm going to give you the Zoom link. I'm going to click in the Zoom link at the same time. Maybe text them beforehand to go, I'm jumping on the Zoom. Then once you arrive, we, you will have pre-communicated with our team. They're going to take you with the person you invited to a breakout room. So someone in our ministry team can pray for that person. It's not prayer ministry. They're not going to be there for hours. It's going to be normal language. We're going to be praying by faith to believe that God can enter their situation and bring breakthrough. It is an opportunity. It's on Wednesday. I want to encourage you. Why don't you take a step of faith and invite someone? We'll put these things on. And we're going to keep putting these things on. But we, we need to engage with them. Or don't invite them, but pray for them. But that's available. It's all able to be registered. Jump into the hub. But it's a step of faith. Now, here's how to be available for the Holy Spirit. I think the first one is you need to be genuine. 
If you look in the scripture in Matthew 7, 22 and 24, it gives us a pretty clear warning uh, that you need to be gen- genuine. It says this, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You who break God's law. Isn't that very interesting and very scary that you can move in the gifts, but without relationship with Jesus, it will not mean much. The gifts don't make the person. Jesus saves the person. And it has to be built from a foundation that I love Jesus first and foremost. And because I love Jesus, I want my life and its conduct to line up with who Jesus is. You know, when I think about it, you can't remove the fruit of the Spirit from the gifts of the Spirit because if you are in relationship with Jesus, the the Holy Spirit will work on your character as He uses you. So they actually work hand in hand. They don't, they don't work in isolation of one another. As I serve Jesus more and open up my availability to be used by the Spirit, I pray that He is working on my character. Because I want Him to use. It's got to be genuine. I don't, wanna, I don't ever want to get to the end of my life and have done all these incredible things for Jesus but not know Jesus. We did all these things in your name. I never knew you. It's power in the name of Jesus. But it's relationship that it should be built upon. And I want Jesus to know me and I want to know him intimately. So it needs to be genuine. The the backbone of everything, it must be a genuine relationship. The second thing is desire. Now, desire is a good thing. Desire is good. The Holy Spirit chooses. Our job is to desire. The Bible actually tells us that. If you look in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, let love be, this is verse 1, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Desire is a good thing. Desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. Now let me give you an example in Scripture that I think sometimes it gets flipped on its head a little bit. Who knows the story out of Matthew 14 when Jesus is walking on the water and Peter, who's been our example today, says, Can I come? And what happens? He gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. Hallelujah. And then he sees the wind and the waves and he begins to sink. And Jesus grabs his hand out and pulls him out of the water and says, Oh, you of little faith. He's not in trouble for getting out of the boat and wanting to walk on the water. He's being addressed because he lost faith halfway. It's good to get out of the boat. I would, in fact, encourage you, take steps of faith and commit to them and walk in them. 
How cool would it be to hear some testimonies on this stage? You know, I was at Christmas dinner uh, this year and I felt the Lord prompt me to pray for my grandma and now her hip doesn't hurt anymore and now she's a follower of Jesus. Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't that be incredible? An old lady kicking the football out the front of the house, you know, the hip is in it's working. What about I invited a colleague uh, to come out for a coffee because I just wanted to encourage them because I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me and through that encouragement they felt connected to something. They've come to church or they've inquired of why I'm the way I am and we've introduced them to Jesus and they're saved. You know, the gifts are for the building of the body of Christ, the building of the church, but they can function in and out the church because evangelism can be taught within the church and exercised out of the church. But what it's doing is it's building the kingdom. There's got to be a desire. There's got to be a desire. Why can't we walk about and on the way to, to work saying, Lord, I pray that you use me supernaturally today in some way. Uh, I desire, Father, to be used. Coming into this place, going to a connect group, going to your prayer group. God, speak to me to be able to encourage my prayer partner. I desire to be used by you, Lord. I've been praying that there will always be a vibrant move of the Holy Spirit in our church, but I'm also praying that there's a move vibrantly in your heart and life. On fire, Christians who are part of a body will change and influence the world and community around them. But you can have a genuine relationship and a genuine desire, but who knows there needs to be obedience. Who here has felt the Holy Spirit, let's be honest, I'll put my hand up first, has felt the Holy Spirit prompt them in the past and you've like lost, lost your faith and kind of squished it down? Who, who's been there? We've all been there. Don't have to be perfect. Have to be willing to go again and try again. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, don't say nothing. Right? They're coming next week. But I felt the Lord prompt me about inviting a particular family that we know that don't know Jesus. And we were going to a, we might watch this one day, so I'm gonna, an event, a basketball game. 10,000 people there. And I said to April, if I see that person there, I'm inviting them. I'm going to do it because I figure if I'm asking you to do these things, I need to tell you stories about my failures and my wins. So that you know we're in this together to serve Jesus and see him glorified, eh? I'll be the biggest failure if it means you have a crack. Like if you'd be like, hey, there's a guy at work, I really feel like I need to pray for his hip but I don't have the courage. I'll come, just set up a meeting. I'll, let's go. So anyway, I'm like, Lord, if he's there, I'll do it. I'm going to do it. So we get there. Uh, you plan 45-minute journey. It takes an hour and a half. You get there and there's an urgency in you for a particular thing you need to do straight away on your arrival. So I head straight there. Pew. So get there. I'm relieved of that urgency. 10,000 people, the game's packed. It's a big game, sellout game. I open the door to the bathroom and I walk out and he is waiting at the front of the bathroom. I walk up to him. Hey, what are you doing on the 17th of December? That's how the conversation went straight away. His answer, hey, Charles, why? And I said, we're doing this big Christmas event. We've got this thing on afterwards. I'd love for you and your whole family to come. 
He said yes. You know what? The Holy Spirit prompted me, but I had to be obedient because I can have a desire. Holy Spirit, use me supernaturally. Bring that person into my mind. Uh, I want to build the kingdom of God. I want to strengthen those that are around me by faith because this testimony is hopefully to build and strengthen your faith. So when I had a crack and now I'm praying that there is more to come in that story. Amen. Amen. So next week, you know, they'll be there. You'll be like, (laughs) and I'm hopefully looking at your (laughs) as well. Let's be doing a lot of this. They'll be thinking, this is a weird place. I don't care, they're here. <laughs> Maybe do a bit less. Maybe think of a thing like a, like a double nod or something. That can be less awkward and there's lots of this going on. <laughs> no, that's no good either. That's a twitchy church. Let's ditch that idea. It's just say nothing, just be praying. Go with nothing. It's way normal. Well, that was a waste of one minute, wasn't it? <laughs> There needs to be obedience. It says this in Galatians chapter 5, 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When you look at the original language of the word walk in Galatians chapter 5, it's really cool. In verse 16, there's the word walk. In verse 25, there's the word walk. But one means one thing in the original language, uh, which is 16. That kind of refers to the walk of life. And then in 25, it actually paints a different picture, but more that you should stay behind and in step with the person leading you. And that's what this walk means in verse 25. Since we are being led by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Follow what the Spirit is doing. Really, if you want to look at it, As if the Spirit is the source of our life, let the Spirit also direct its course. Got to be genuine. You got to have desire, but you actually need to be obedient. Actually need to be obedient. Can we not just have uh, your only spiritual step of faith on a Sunday? Can, can, we, can we be willing in this place today to go out and go, I am determining myself now to try and be obedient uh, the best I can with wisdom applied to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit because we want to see him manifest himself in our lives, but we want to see the kingdom of God grown. Amen? It's for the building of the church to encourage one another. To strengthen what God is doing here. It's to be used to glorify Jesus. We have to be open, but we have to be obedient. Mobilize. I love the definition of mobilize being the actual word means to make something movable or capable of movement which is cool, or if you look at it from a governmental point of view, it's to prepare and organise troops for active service. Mobilise. God wants you to use your gift. God wants you to use it. It says this in Romans 12, 6 to 8, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. I'll have uh, keys join me. Uh, If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. 
If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What's Paul saying? Use your gift. Use it. Get active. Get mobile. So as I was praying about this week, I wanted to give you some active things that you could do that are like, if, if you're presented with this situation and you feel that there's a moment in God to act and do so, do so. Here's one. You're going to run into somebody sick in this season. Take your hands out your pocket and pray for them. It's simple. Do you know anybody that's sick? Pray. Do you know anybody going through a hard time this season? Within our community? Maybe God's bringing someone else to your heart and mind. Encourage them. You know, our society finds it hard to give and receive encouragement. But we're not that culture. I want this to be a place where you come and you, you feel strengthened in what God is producing in your life because you love Him and you want to serve Him. We will be a culture of encouragement. Do you know anybody with a practical need? That's a real, you can do that at any moment, a practical need and actually help them. I can pick that up for you. I can cook a meal for you. As the Holy Spirit prompts you and you are, you are practicing and walking in your obedience, why don't you walk it out? Do you have the means to be generous this Christmas? Do it with great joy and bless someone. Can you teach? Then help somebody learn. Do you pray in your car? Speak in tongues. Before you go to a party, why don't you say, as the scripture tells me to desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, Father, I pray that you would use me supernaturally. You know, a prayer could be simply in the future as you walk through life and in this season, Father, as I go to my connect group, and as we're praying for one another, if it fits the brief of 1 Corinthians 14, Father, can I prophesy that it strengthens, it encourages and it comforts someone? My prayer is simply, God, use me. God, send me. God, speak through me. I'm available. I'm available.